Hey, hey. Hey, Harry. It's Chanel. And Chris. Uh, we are so glad you are back for yet another episode. Welcome back. Um, in our last episode, we talked a lot about truth tellers and truth holders and um, what do you do with the truth. And we're incredibly grateful. 10 points to everyone who listened. Um, another 10 points for anyone who actually sat with the questions and uh, really thinking about what that means for their lives and how to celebrate um, receiving the truth and the truth tellers in their worlds. Um, yeah, I will say I'm just so incredibly uh full of gratitude for the outpouring of support for all of the followers for all the likes for all the comments all the dms i love it even the the spicy uh text messages about the podcast not being long enough i am so 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 grateful for all of it um and i'm just really grateful that all of you are joining us on this journey today or period but especially today (laughs) yes i i'm i'm right in line with that chanel the feeling of gratitude and for all the things, right? I mean, we're episode two and we're still learning, you know, there's still challenges that we are, that we um, are struggling with. I'm just going to say it like it's, you know, for me, growing with. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely been, you know, I've allowed myself to adopt the perspective of struggle. And while I didn't sit in that for too long, I definitely was sitting in it, you know? Uh, so it's, it, at the end of it, I'm glad to be left with the feeling of grateful and, and to be in awe about my ability to learn and create at this age. And at the the root of it, it all just becomes very encouraging to keep going. Uh, and Absolutely. again, just doing this side by side with somebody and having a collaborator is so helpful to encourage me just to keep going. So uh, thank you for being you. Also, ditto, because I might have thrown in the towel 12 times over by now. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) So what does one's reflection, a bald head, and a seven-year-old yelling, Michael Jordan, have in common? We'll tell you in this episode. Now, and I've been contemplating shaving my head for about a couple months. And as I cut my own hair, as a result of the pandemic, I would stand in front of the mirror just thinking, is this the day that I do it? But really feeling so attached to the little bit of hair that I had side parted (laughs) on my head. And I've only ever shaved my head one time, purely from a vanity perspective, just to see what I would look like. This was several years ago. I was really concerned about, can I pull off the bald look? This time though, was very different. It was more around how I might be received by other people. Less about if I was comfortable with how I looked and more about what would other people think? Would I get unwanted attention, whether good, bad, or indifferent? And I had an experience, a very powerful breathwork seminar experience. And the day after that, I just woke up and I was just clear, this is the day that I am going to shave my head. And as I stood in front of my mirror, with my razor in hand, thinking, am I really going to do this? Is this really going to happen? I started to get present to how attached I was to this little bit of hair and how it made me feel perceivably normal to have that hair. And also, I didn't want to be boxed in like every other bald guy with a beard, you know? Uh, What is wrong with a bald guy and a beard? Especially a good beard. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I I remember, you know, going to Charlotte is Creative with you just this past week and thinking to myself, those two bald guys with beards look the same. Do I look like them? (laughs) Am I going to look like every other bald guy with a beard? And it's so interesting for me to sit with that because that was the root of my attachment. I, I made this little bit of hair that I had on my head my uniqueness in a way. And I, it, it took lots of processing and reflecting to even understand that. But let's go back. I'm standing in front of this mirror and I realize I'm going to need more than just this razor because I have to trim this hair first. And now all of a sudden I need more tools and I'm questioning, do I go through with it? Finding reasons to get out of it. You know, and all while looking at the clock, thinking to myself, I only have but so much time to do this before I need to leave. 
So it, I, you know, proverb, you know, like the whole saying, um, it's time to shit and get off the pot. And so I went for it. I grabbed a razor. I buzzed it again. It had been years since I had been bald. And I just thought to myself, what does this look like? I'm so concerned about how I'm going to be perceived. Are people going to laugh? Are people going to wonder if I'm sick? What does that look like? And why this time am I so concerned about what other people think versus being concerned about how I think I'm going to look? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. That's, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And so as I go through it, uh, with the shaving process, I start to feel free and mm. I start to tell myself I'll be able to navigate whatever shows up no matter what happens. And I have, it started to become this acknowledgement of the tools that I have and what I've been able to curate in my life so far. And so just acknowledge like I, I am not my hair. Uh, okay, I am Indiary. right. Oh, I love me some Indiary. I am not my hair, and 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 what, why I was so attached to my hair was because it was a culmination of all these compliments I got about it. And okay. little do I know whether those people are just being nice and complimenting my hair, um, but maybe in the background thinking like he's really trying to hold on to that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so as I went through it, you know, I got done and, and one of the first people I see is my dad and the very thing that I was concerned about showed up right there, you know, in that moment. And so I'm thinking grateful to the universe for just giving me, you know, the opportunity to practice these tools that I thought about as I'm shaving my head, uh, you know, and, and so as my dad approaches me, he looks at me and he starts to laugh and he just oh. asks very jokingly, like, what happened to your head? And I just don't respond. That doesn't feel good. And I wasn't even there. You know, well, it's interesting because in the moment I, it didn't feel good quickly, but then I anticipated it. Like I just knew that that might be a response. And I, I'm learning to, as I reflect, especially when it comes to my relationship with my dad, I'm learning that he has his own unique way of trying to embrace conversation or connect. And unfortunately, usually they, those, his ways don't work for me just because I tend to be a little more critical or have lots of expectations of him um, being my way. And in that moment of just pausing, it was really great to not say anything. That is a powerful statement in and of itself. Younger versions of myself would always have something to say, needed to stand up for myself uh, or just needing to have a response. Yeah. always ready to have a reason, you know, and I, I wonder how much that comes from being a middle child, you know? Uh, so I didn't say anything. I just, I just let it roll over and he moved on and I stepped out into the world even further. And I, again, I, episode one, I mentioned, I have an uncle, so I'm picking up one of my nephews. Um, and as soon as he gets in the car, he goes, Whoa, what happened to your head? <laughs> And and before he can put his seatbelt on, he stands up in the back seat, slaps off my head and yells, Michael Ow! Jordan! <laughs> and I'm like, is that something you saw on YouTube? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, do you even know who Michael Jordan is? Can we talk about this? And oh, God, they're babies. They're babies, right? Uh, and luckily, he does know who Michael Jordan is. He doesn't okay. believe that I've met him before, though. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, of course you have. Of course you have. You know, I, in that yeah. moment. I actually used to work for him, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, you know, in that moment, I, I couldn't help but be pulled back to moments earlier with my dad and thinking my nephew had somewhat of his, a similar reaction, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and then even leaned into playfulness, you know, through touch. And I think so much of me for my nephew, it, I kind of was expecting a childlike playfulness. And I certainly am okay with him touching my head because I know he's being a kid in playfulness. But I had to also realize that if that were an adult, any adult, whether it was my father or not, I would not be okay with that. Mm. And I also wasn't as embracing to my father's reaction that I was my nephew's reaction. 
So then this takes me back to the mirror and just going, reflecting on why I was so concerned about how other people receive me. And I'm starting to realize how much I allow that to influence me. Yeah. In ways that I never knew it, I allowed it to influence me. Thus the attachment to this little bit of hair that I had. On my you can't say a little bit of hair. <laughs> because I mean, it was a little bit of, you know, it was a little, I feel like I should throw up an old photo. Um, <laughs> you know, it, and it, again, it was, I got all these compliments about my hair when I would get a haircut, you know, and, and I was just so attached to this idea that like, well, people like to see me that way. And I was so attached to being seen a particular way by other people to the compliments uh, and, and so much so that now I understood that I would be taking on a little bit of shock value from most people in my life. I go into work and uh, one of the owners, he looks at me and he goes, look at your hair. To which I respond, look at my hair. Because there's nothing there. Like, <laughs> there's that is like the epitome of saying, but not saying. Correct. You know, and, and then again, it's just this another opportunity to be invited into people's individual perspective and how they may express or not express, but still feel the need to say something or do something, whether it's a facial expression, whether it's the Michael Jordan, you know, um, and then fast forward from that, you know, a coworker walks in and she's like, something's different about you. Is it the hair? Is it the beard? Uh, and before I can even answer, she goes, I think I'm starting to realize I'm really attracted to men with bald men with beards, <laughs> which, which was a newfound discovery for her. Uh, and then I thought, <laughs> you know, and a declaration she made in front of me and other people, which I thought was um, comical for sure. Like I laughed and then I started to realize, you know, how we present ourselves can influence people without even knowing them. You know, and just the, the power, the power of how we all are influencers in the smallest of everyday ways and we don't always realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think for me, it's the influencing, but it's also taking stock. And, and I think one of the things that you're really, really good at is how we experience people as a reflection of ourselves. It is where we are. It's our thing. So like the first time I saw you, and I think it was a couple of days after and we hadn't talked about it, I walked in and it was what, a couple of days before we were supposed to record the, the trailer. And I panicked. I was like, oh God, what's going on? And like, I had to, I had to catch myself afterwards. Cause I was like, why would he do this right before we're going to record? We like, because clearly this is the most important thing. I was like, we made bitmojis. Like, this doesn't look like him. What is he doing? I don't understand. I'm like, what are people going to think? You know? And then and then I had to catch myself. And even listening to this today, I was like, he did this at a point where it's still cold outside. I was like, now he needs hats. You know, when his when his nephew slapped his head, when when um when when you got slapped, did that hurt? Because, you know, previously, like, different sensation. And so I'm, I realize that's just, like, my nature, though. Like, I'm a, I want to protect. I want to, like, insulate. I want to, because I'm like, let's get you a hat. Okay. Is your, some aloe for your head. You know, like, <laughs> so dramatic. But that is, is really a reflection of me. And, like, my, you know, our relationship and just, like, the people in my, in my bubble. I want to, like, protect and nurture and, like, love on way too hard. But, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, so much of what you just shared, it makes me think about like our desire for consistency uh, and how that might be attached to our inability to embrace change. Yeah. And then how we justify that inability to embrace change with all of these little nuancey things like our bitmojis, like this idea of a brand or consistency around all of those things. And I, I appreciate you saying that so much because I think that in its of in itself is a powerful conversation around the importance of just reflecting. Right. And here I am standing in front of this mirror thinking about how other people are going to see me, but I'm not even asking myself how do I want to see myself? 
this yeah. this is a this is a me thing, right? I'm cutting my hair, but this whole no, time, your hair belongs to us. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit because we all get a couple strands, right? Right, <laughs> right you know. And I, yeah, so it just it's it's wild to me this idea of how often I spend gazing at myself in a mirror from this outward worldly perspective, never really from this inward, who am I? What do I see? What have I become? You know, this this internal reflection. It's this external, how is the world going to receive me? And that living in the South, moving to the South from the North, that's become a really big change for me because up North, you know, being 100% Puerto Rican on both sides of my family, with the way culture is up north, I could walk around different neighborhoods and people wouldn't know that I was Puerto Rican. I would be able to tell the difference between a Puerto Rican and a Dominican, you know, El Salvadorian, Mexican, you know, you just knew that. And moving here to the south, you know, it's, what are you? You know, some people, yeah, right. That's, I mean, that became my, my, my uh, default answer to people. With a with a jest, a little giggle, you know. Um, but I, it's it was so interesting moving down here because that that for me has fueled how an awareness of how I'm going to present myself to the world and how people are going to receive me. Because to your earlier point, right? We we don't consume things as they are; we consume them as how we perceive them. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And and how we perceive things is colored and shaped by our life experiences. And so knowing that as a part of human condition, I am starting to realize how I might allow that to influence me more than I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because obviously we talked about this, you know, we, we made a little outline for what we were talking about. And I, over the course of thinking about this, thought about two different scenarios that I wanted to share. And I was <clears throat> looking at our notes really late last night, you know, because some of us are more creative at night and a completely different thought popped up for me. And it occurred to me that pre pandemic, I was going into an office environment every day and um, I'm really great with time management, like fantastic, top notch, stellar. And by that, I mean, I'm cutting it to very on time last minute generally speaking. Um, I'm going to get delivered from that, but it's, it's probably not today. Um, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> um, but um, I would do my makeup in the morning and do it really fast. And the, the apartment house, I was living in a house at the time and the house I was living in was really old and just all the things. And so like, once you took a shower, it would just be steamy. So I got really good at doing my makeup with a hand mirror. And I don't think I realized the full implications of that and just how like that created a pattern. I got so good at doing, and it was a basic face, like literally like, you know, foundation, mascara, eyeliner out the door, you know, usually lipstick in the car. Um, But I got really good at doing my face in sections. Like I, it, it sounds crazy to even say like, I would do a whole face of makeup and never see my whole face. Like, I would hit eyeliner, make sure there's symmetry. So I'm seeing this part at a time, checking foundation. All right, in, out, whatever. And like, wouldn't see the see my whole face. And on days where, you know, I'm going through the checklist, did I get everything? Did I get lunch? Did I get the right shoes? Did I do the thing? I'm already in the car and I'm like, did you check your whole face? Like, even then I'm looking in my rearview mirror and I'm looking to see what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Is, is eyeliner swiped too far? Did I, do they match? Is my lipstick in the lines? I'm not looking at like me as a whole person and like one, my whole face. And then two, do I even like me? Do I like beyond my face? Like, is this how I want to show up today? You know? And it, it's crazy how a mirror can change that. Like, you know, moving to a different apartment after that changed how makeup happened. One, a pandemic, nobody was wearing makeup, right? So like, whatever, that didn't help. But even now, like doing makeup, the mirrors change. And so I will look at my face, you know, as a whole thing doing makeup now. And then I will often check and make sure, you know, that everything matches for an outfit. But it's to walk out the door. 
it's not often to be like, this is who I am and this is a whole person and I'm really content with who I am and this is how I like I get first right of refusal. Am I mm. happy with what I see and who's showing up? And um, is this how I want to be in the world? Do I want, I'm, I'm not, I haven't shaved my head. I don't think, I don't have any intentions of shaving my head anytime soon. Uh, I don't think I'm going to pass the bald head check. I don't want to <laughs> find out, <laughs> but I get that choice, you know, like how do I take my power back? And it's not how the world's going to receive me, but like, how am I showing up and do I feel good about that? And that is the thing that I am getting better at turning the tide on, but like, it's a whole, it's a struggle. Um, it is a whole struggle. It made me think a couple, I don't even know when, but my, my therapist and I were talking about just like what it means to be happy with yourself and contented. And she gave me this activity and I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, don't tell my therapist, but I may or may not have completely done it. <laughs> um, but this basic idea that you like, you know, before, after getting in the shower, you stare at yourself in the mirror naked, and then you compliment what you like about yourself. Well, <clears throat> if you've never done that, that's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think the universe must have just been in alignment because I guess Megan Trainer's therapist was talking to my therapist because <laughs> right around the same time she puts out... <laughs> there's this interview with her where her therapist thankfully mine did not give me a time limit but her therapist was like set a clock for five minutes and stare at your naked self every day and she's like it was so bad the first day that she was literally shaking staring at herself and she's like it was rough but she's like by day three she was like "Ooh, them thighs yes and she's like and then it caught my mind you know my mindset shifting but literally shaking and nervous and terrified and just anxious about the whole thing of like staring at yourself like when did looking at yourself of all of the things in the universe when did looking at yourself become one of the hardest things to do hmm. yeah that's such a powerful conversation and your invitation earlier right just the invitation to to sit with this and to to try again i think this makes me think of so many things that you talked about in our first episode truth yours mine and the actual you mentioned reflections, right? You talked about, you know, seeing yourself in a puddle or, you know, checking yourself out as, you know, in the reflection of a mirror uh, or a window that you're passing, the door you're passing. And I'm loving that that, you know, is coming back up for me in, in this conversation and realizing again, like how much influence society has on us that in a way that we allow it subconsciously to, to dictate how, we view ourselves or we avoid ourselves. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm that I'm learning. And even just hearing what you shared about Megan Trainer and and your experience with your therapist, it's I know because of how I was raised, I tend to have a avoidant dismissive way of being at my default. And I have to work really hard to um maybe not really hard. I need to be gracious to myself because uh, I've been working on it. So it's not as hard as it used to be, but I really have to do some work around shifting that default. And when I look at myself in the mirror from that perspective of like just being naked in front of a mirror, the first things that want to come up is avoid dismiss. The first, what do I have to do? I need to be somewhere. I ain't got time for this. You know, I, I put all these justifications up. I'm just like, and don't let me want it to turn to the side. Yeah. Um, you know i we even, all have our angles <laughs> even even so much so i you know when we were at um creative charlotte one of these this wonderful gentleman that i ran into i've i know through another connection he made a joke about about that about seeing himself from the side angle in the mirror after the shower and he scared himself because he thought someone else was in his home you know, oh. and so, you know, and, he, and it was really a joke. It was, it was dramatic. And he was joking. He was being playful around it. But also that, that realness of like to your, you know, to the earlier points that we both made in this conversation is like, how often are we actually really seeing ourselves to the point where we can actually startle ourselves in a sense of like, who is that? Or, or when did I get this way? You know, one of my sisters, um, I remember she had, after she had given birth to two boys, she had seen herself in a photo on a seesaw. Uh, in South End, Charlotte. And I remember her saying like, wow, I, I don't, I didn't realize like how big I've gotten, you know, growing up, she was a cross country star, track star, 
you know, I mean, one of her nicknames was Stick. You know, she's always been fit and slim. Uh, and it wasn't until she saw that photo that she that she saw herself. And the irony for me was like, I can relate for years. Like my entire life, it's been that way. Uh, and so to see her have that reflective moment, it really had me sit in that avoidant dismissive. Like, yes, I've been this size the majority of my life, if not even bigger. And there's so much of it that I've been avoiding, you know, not, and from, from all perspectives, right. Avoiding the mirrors, avoiding the reflections to the point where I actually challenged myself. And now I have this really life-size large mirror in my room that I have to pass before I leave my room mm. every day. Uh, and I've, I've used it for lots of things. I've written, written affirmations on it, but I've never actually challenged myself to sit long enough, like Megan Trainer, her therapist, uh, where I allow that disruption or that shaking, you know, to come up. Right. And, and I can't help, but acknowledge the things that I don't like first or see the things I don't like first. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was my experience, you know, because my therapist is thorough like that. How'd it go? I don't need follow-up questions, ma'am. Let's move on to the next topic. But we're, we're talking about, you know, the follow-up to it. And I was like, it was awful. Like I, I'm seeing, I'm like, yeah, I looked at myself and I, you know, stood there for a good amount of, a good amount of time. I, I wasn't trying to time it. Like no one needs that torture the first time. Um, but I found myself being really critical, you mm. know, <clears throat> it was okay. I see this. I see that scar. I know the story behind that scar. I see this stretch mark. Mm. I know the stressful period that went with that. And it just felt like almost like a roadmap of the way that I was looking at it of, of struggle, of challenges, of moments where I wasn't good enough, where I failed, where I wasn't the person that I wanted to be, you know, where I was stress eating or was really so tired that I tripped into this thing and now have a scar up my shin for this or, you know, whatever the thing is, like it was a roadmap of all of the <clears throat> uncomfortable things. And she was like, well, okay but you overcame all of them and you're still here. And I was like, yeah, but like all that crap happened. Like who wants that? And it, I just, <laughs> she isn't anything but persistent, but like, you know, trying to get me to reframe that, you know, I often think about this idea of, of two things. I'm, I'm finding this interesting um, space of two things being uh, trying to occupy the same space. That's what I'm saying. So, mm -hmm. um, this idea that nervous and excited are the same thing, but the difference is perspective. Yes. And so like, yeah, it's a scar, but it is, is it a scar that we hide and we're afraid of or, and we're anxious, we cover with makeup and the right clothing, or is it a, a war, a battle scar and we celebrate and we're triumphant and we're grateful. And it's, you know, now part of the fabric of who I am and switching to the latter is really uncomfortable it's hard it's a process it's a learning you know um and i you know i learned to be embarrassed about those things because they felt like moments that i didn't fail but the idea you know trying to change the narrative as i get older you fail forward or there's no such thing as failure everything is uh useful there's there's purpose in everything there's learning there's growth i wouldn't be who i am to be able to sit here in front of you and have these conversations if every <laughs> If every uh, toe stubbed, every scar, every stretch mark, every everything, like I couldn't be here. And I think even in this podcast is one of the things that I'm really trying to embrace. Like, I, if I'm really honest, I'd be like, I really don't want to do this right now. You know, and especially staring, like looking at footage. I'm like, <clears throat> we could have waited a couple more weeks for this or maybe even months. Or why do we do a video element, you know, but do it scared. Get started. Face those things. And, you know, I think it's you have to, I, who me speak for anybody else, like, I get to decide that I'm going to show up and that who I am right now is enough. And I think for me, one of the things that's really, really hard in learning to kind of sit in and conquer is this idea that, you know, we heard this recently at a, um, we were at the Gantt Museum. Um, the, if you wait, you know, till you're thin enough, till you have enough followers, till you have the right clothes and makeup and all the things, like, you're going to be waiting for forever. 
just do it, do it now, do it scared. But I think for me, even further is this idea that by putting those things off, I am able to hide from them. And so they continue to be a vicious cycle to invalidate my process to move forward Mm. Um, versus sitting in it now almost gives me more space to unpack and address those things. You know, whether it's, you know, actually spending time in a mirror or makeup or weight or whatever. Um, I'm really good at like, if I don't have to face it, I just won't. And so even in this way and and with a gracious partner that can be gentle and loving and send so many invitations to be my bigger and higher self, um, it's a process to, to unpack and to, to embrace the growth or as you like to say, the growing edge. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I, you, you, you give such a lovely invitation there around just starting small you know, and, and I, I just, and you, you even prompt some questions and it just takes me to this point of like, yeah, what is, what is a starting point around our reflection looks like, like reflecting on our reflection, right? What does it look like to accept an invitation to identify your conscious intention around being with yourself in a mirror with, without any attachment to where you're going who's going to see you, um, any of that, right? Just from the sheer invitation of, I want to see myself and allowing whatever to come up to come up, you know, and, and still doing the work beyond that, right? Something comes up and continue the reflection process, right? What is your experience for yourself? What, what thoughts and feelings are coming up? How do you navigate those thoughts and feelings, right? Are you like Chanel and I, and you're avoiding and dismissing them? You know, are you compartmentalizing them, right? Um, why do you think that way? You had said something earlier about your experience when you put on a face with a little mirror, right? And you learned, you you adapted to this experience where you know, you even compartmentalized how you did your makeup. Yeah. Right. And, that and you got, rough. <laughs> yeah. And you got so good at it. Right. So this just makes me think about, you know, this the, again, going back to the influences, right. We, we have this idea that society or our job or familial narratives influence us that we should look a certain way. And, and then you know, we complement that narrative with an effort to make it work. We complement it with this idea of, I just got to do what I need to do to make it work. So if that means I need to throw on a face really quick in this bathroom or in my car, in this small mirror, you know, I, I just can't go out into the world looking this certain way. And that's very real, right? Because we can't help how people perceive us. And we certainly can't help that their perceptions will influence how they treat us. Right. But what we can do is do the internal work for ourselves to become more secure. And, you know, a, a question that I would add to the list is, you know, who and what influences how you think you should present yourself to the world and, and why? Yeah. What, what does that look like? And how much of do you have a say so in, in what influences you and how you present yourself in the world and why you do it? Yeah. I mean, I think even just thinking about that scenario specifically like the the small ways in which you create the circumstances that you really want I didn't leave myself time to have the ability to think anything more than what I was doing I I wanted to be on autopilot because getting to work was a whole process and you know thinking about the work and the work at the time was hard and complicated and really heady and so I even before I got to work, started the process of like, okay, what's the to-do list? Who do I need to call? What is the strategy? Okay, if this, then that, blah, 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 blah. So even as I'm going through my process of getting dressed and thinking about shoes and like, oh, it's, everything was already into my workday. Okay, you have two schools to visit today. You have this meeting, but you have this thing after work. Okay, do we need one pair of shoes, two pair? Like, I wasn't leaving myself space to even be present to think about how I was showing up. It was being malleable to all of the different twists and turns for the day. There was no space, even 30 seconds to say, oh, I'm going to do a power pose in the mirror this morning. Girl, you got this. Or, ooh, girl, that winged eyeliner. Hey, there was none of that. 
But if I'm honest, I mean, and there are probably so many layers into this, but like part of it was, you know, the time constraints because at a certain point I was doing like workouts before work, which mm, swimming in like 30 degree weather outside and going to the gym mm, with this hair, (laughs) Um, that was the whole time and process. But the other part of it was I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to think about the reality of how I felt you know, about myself, especially in the context of the complicated work that was happening and and feeling really unfulfilled. Because for me, it was, it wasn't just how I looked, it was how I felt in the looking or how I look, look, felt, you know, looked and feelings all in the one because I don't know where I was going with that. But like the idea of like, looking at myself wasn't just how I physically looked is how I felt it was an expression it was okay how much sleep did I get you know are we drinking enough water all of these layers and things that went into it that I would have to sit with and I didn't want that accountability (laughs) you know if I'm being completely honest right now so I probably very consciously unconsciously backed myself into a time constraint that left me putting on shoes and lipstick and maybe eyeliner in the car oh I can 1000% relate to how that avoidant dismissive nature that the avoidant dismissive way of being will subconsciously have us create justifications and even obstacles to avoid the very thing that we know we might need to work on it's the universe it's not me i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) right you know i mean i'm for it was months right before i decided to cut my hair months instead of just feeling secure in myself and knowing that I wanted to shave the rest of this hair, I was hanging on to it. I knew I was hanging on to it. I didn't necessarily know why at first, right? But it wasn't until I did something else that required me to be still, that breathwork seminar, to be reflective, to remove some things that I, without question, was initially gung-ho for. And then when I stood in the mirror, all those habits, right, the way that my brain has been conditioned to avoid and dismiss came up. Yeah. Came back up and, and I thought about all the things and I thought about the things that I knew that I wasn't going to like, right? The, the wow faces, you know, what if people try to touch my head, you know, um, the laughs, like all those things. But I do have to take a step back and and realize that in that moment, what if those thoughts came up because I truly was preparing myself? Because if I can think about those things, they are less of a shock value when they do happen. Yeah. Right. And so just giving myself the space and grace to understand, you know, no one can make more fun of me or better fun of me than me, you know, and it, and, and people are going to do it. You know, I come from a ball busting family for sure. You know, it's why the seven year old, you know, feels so confident. You know, um, so and and those those are things that I I particularly enjoy about you know my families that we feel free to to you know bust each other's balls if you will. Um, the women are really great at it, um, and most of them have bigger balls than us. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Latino women, they are strong women. Um, and it, it just, well I, well, I enjoy that about my family too. I know that I have to have a certain level of empathy because I tend to be pretty, pretty sensitive and being able to address the point that would make me sensitive in advance, I had to realize really helped me navigate those experiences. And the best thing I could do in that moment with my father was not say anything. Because yeah. anything that I would have said would have just been not been pleasant. Yeah. You know, uh, so it, I just so appreciate how you tell your story and how when you tell your stories, it really just pulls these little threads of connection with me. I'm like, yes, I, I totally get how I will set myself up sub- subconsciously. Right. But it's not I wouldn't know that without their reflection. Right. And you said something in episode uh, one with truth, yours, mine, the actual, you talked about community Mm, and community healing, right. And community conversations. And for me, a community is, you know, two people or more. And so in our little community here, I get to take my individual self-reflection and I get to dive a little bit deeper and pull those threads 
and then of course we're doing this on this podcast right and putting it out there in the, in the world right where it can be ridiculed you know it can be picked apart right uh, people can laugh not only at my bald head but my words right uh, and and still because of the sense of community there is a safety for me and also just a secureness that I'm, I'm clear of, of what I'm up to and why and what does it look like to use the power of reflection and community in a way to develop a sense of secureness that really works for you because you say so. Yeah. I think, I think so much of it is it. I, I feel like this is just a reoccurring theme is perspective, you know? So how in the exercise, which I, I really, really resonated with me, the idea of sitting and kind of thinking through what some of the people in your life might say to almost kind of prepare yourself and, and be ready for their reactions. Those same voices are voices that I would hear, but would stop me from doing things. And like, mm. And in the preparation, trying to like steal myself and get ready for things, it would it would stop me in my tracks. But, you know, what does it mean to ask follow up questions? Okay, uh, look at your hair. What did what sir? What did you mean by that? <laughs> you know, or tell me more. Yeah, my hair, or just not being concerned. And so, how do you how do you prepare yourself and be like just ready for it and and be playful. I think that's one of the things in in hearing your stories and hearing um especially God, I love the stories with your nephews, but just like what does it mean to be playful around some of these things? Okay, so what? You don't like my hair? Okay, you're not doing it. You're not wearing it. You know, like and and being okay with kind of that being an expression of who you are and I think <laughs> Oh man, the things that come up in these conversations. I recently, I recently reframed a situation that happened, uh, maybe, I don't know, almost a year ago at this point. And uh, not to go down a whole rabbit hole, but I have been really beating myself up and really embarrassed, like, oh, uncomfortable, like want to hide in myself kind of situation around uh, what I thought was a really embarrassing situation. Now, let's be clear. I don't actually know if other people saw the thing that happened, but in in anticipation of them seeing it, I've been holding on to this again almost a year. And it occurred to me like, what if it really did happen? And what if that embarrassment was there to protect you from an outcome or relationships or dynamics that you didn't need to be in, you know? And so what if some someone saying a thing, a crazy thing about your hair is like, oh, thank you for showing me your character, you know? A, this is not a space where I feel loved and encouraged and thank you for making that really clear and being efficient with my time but like you have to reframe that because my initial reaction is they didn't like me or how rude or I can't believe what they said to me but instead it's thank you thank you so much for telling me who you are and where you are right now I may or may not choose to leave space for who you decide to be in the future but right now thank you you ain't it <laughs> Yeah, and not and not getting caught up in. I think this is where I go back to secureness, right? Like if you, what I'm learning about my self secureness is when I am when I'm really authentically secure within myself, people can have their expression and I don't take it personally. Yeah, you know, and there definitely is some insecurity around my relationship with my father, uh, and that's what I got when I when I reflected on well, how come with my nephew I embraced his curiosity, I embraced his playfulness, I embraced his reaction, but I did not do that with my father, right? And so that's where I start to see like, oh, there's still some more work for me to do around that, right? Yeah. Um, and and I see it as an invitation, uh, and and I'm choosing to embrace the perspective around that's that's my next step for self secureness within myself, right? Uh, and hell, it might even be my you know connection to my secureness around my relationship to men in general. Mm. You know, if I go real big picture, well, there's something you said, you know, like this, yeah, I love that you said this, you know, episode one or in the trailer, you talked about like, that might sound real heady and, and it is right. And, and all these things are, you know, we, we tend to be very um, heady people from a perspective of like wanting to be on the court and in the game of life. Yeah. And, 
one of the biggest mantras that I have that's I've picked I've picked parts of this up from different experiences in my life, but it is some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. Yeah. And I always love sitting with the someone's waiting part because I had the first part of that for years before I got the someone's waiting. And and it it really felt like I needed to be in a particular place to receive the someone's waiting to really get that that someone typically is me. Can you can you unpack that a little bit more just like the four parts cuz you know every time you say that and it's come up you know a number of times in our conversations i get a little bit more of an understanding just given the circumstance that we're talking about so like can you unpack that a little bit more (laughs) yeah you know the best way for me is to give little snippets of the context in which i've learned them um i have uh, a longtime college friend uh, her and her family have embraced me in, into their family, and that's huge for me, you know, being Puerto Rican uh, and, you know, just big family ties. And so she has um, two aunts, two lesbian aunts who um, they are like fairy godmothers to me. I don't know if they would like me saying that about them, but that's that's how they show up for me. And every time I visit them, I get these powerful nuggets, you know, and, and it's it, it's them just sharing authentically who they are because they tend to be particularly heady people as well. Um, and so they, around their marriage that I had the pleasure of going to, their, one of their mothers was there. And when she was still living, uh, she went by mother. And she just was fabulous, uh, so fabulous. And I had asked a question around what it's like for her to be here and supporting her daughters. And um, I also asked, she had a response, which was wonderful and magnetic in itself, but I asked her daughter what it felt like to have her mother here. Mm-hmm. And her response was, some will, some won't, so what? And that was so unattached in that moment. I, it was so disruptive to me to hear that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like your family's not here. Like I just, that aspect of it alone, I struggled with for years because I didn't, it really challenged the avoidant dismissive nature. I didn't want to say that from a perspective of being avoidant and dismissing and not caring because I did care. I wanted to be able to use some will, some won't, so what, from a perspective of like, I'm just really secure in who I am and I'm not attached to whether people do things or not, right? Versus just mulling it over and hiding those feelings. And years later, I was, you know, developing, um, you know, my work around selling insurance, which I don't sell insurance anymore, but I was doing that. And I had used that little mantra to help me as I'm inviting other people into this and, and the, my coaches that were involved in that, they would hear me say it all the time. Like, we've heard that before. There's more to it. We don't know, you know, we think, we think there's more to it. And then one of our trainings, they had the whole thing. Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. And when I heard that someone's waiting, it was just like this huge puzzle piece an aha moment. And there was tons of emotions for me in that, in that, in that moment, because I started to realize that I'm the one who's usually waiting. Whether it's I'm waiting for people to be or to rise to an occasion that I think they should, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 because I'm shooting all over the place, right? Like I'm the one waiting because I'm over here just making a mess and they should do this and they should do that, right? Or it's the one, it's it's I'm the one waiting because I haven't shifted or embraced a change within myself, right? Um, and so it it just really speaks to human attachment. We get so attached to people, places, and things, you know, and not to say that it's bad, right? But it's just, do we, do we have a flow between yeah. the things that we're attached to and, and our, and our relationship with ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was heady. <laughs> it's just so, but it was, I mean, that, and that, I mean, you, you might hear that in the sound bite that's in this podcast, but that was years and years of processing and sitting with, you know, so yes, you might much like other forms of, of entertainment or, or receiving information because of the internet, it shows up in these sound bites, these 30, 45 minute hour, maybe even two hour conversations. Right. Um, but like, allow yourself the grace to sit with it. It's going to take time. 
yeah. right? You know, um, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? But, uh, you know, even take it, take it more every day, right? Like, it takes time to let bread, bread rise, right? It takes time to bake a cake. That feels like a much more manageable, manageable time frame in my universe than building Rome. <laughs> right, right. But it also, like, imagine the greatness of, like, fresh baked bread and or mm. a fresh baked cake. You know, there is this, there's always this reward at the end, yeah. you know. Um, and, and if you can muster up the grace and patience with yourself, what does it look like to find the little rewards throughout the process? Yeah. Right? And... and through reflection is how I end up finding those. I might not see them in the moment, right? Because I'm still practicing being present. But during reflection, I'm always able to go back and be like, oh, wow. Like, I actually didn't really enjoy that process. There were some parts I could leave out, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the same if those parts weren't there. Yeah. And I think in the same way that we kind of compare Rome to cake <laughs> or bread rising, it's what are those, you know, I... I joked about it. Let's be clear. It was very real about like taking an hour to do a 12 minute meditation in the last one. But like, what are those baby steps? You know, maybe, maybe Megan Trainer's five minutes in a mirror shaking is a little too much. Maybe you do the Chanel's version and do two minutes and come back another day. You know, like what does it mean to sit in that reflection? And, and, you know, in the same way, all of the things, I think it's, it's actually really beautiful the way that you said that all the things that we've talked about and all the stories that we've shared, it, the epiphany, the awakening didn't happen overnight. And who knows, you know, call me in two weeks. I might have a different understanding or, or perspective on those situations because I'm constantly trying to learn and evolve from those situations. Um, but yeah, what does it mean? And I, I think the bigger question with the reflection in the mirror is like, how do you take your power back? You know, there's so much that we have outsourced to social media, to influencers, to family members, big and small, you know, to time, circumstance, but like, how do you take your power back? And if you, you know, look at yourself, take that moment, do the brave thing, cut the hair, don't cut the hair, do a whole face of makeup and actually see your face, like whatever that looks like, how do you, how do you take your power back? Even if it's little by little. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you. Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself. We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast as that helps us grow.